0: Welcome to summer fun. We don't mind having fun. Doesn't bother us a bit, right? Um, I went outside just a minute ago to get something uh, from the car. And you guys sound good, really good out there. Like I'm never out and hearing that. It sounds awesome. So thank you, Quint, for leading us, and Tomas, and doing such a great job. And uh, you guys sound beautiful. All right, well, if you could grab your Bible, and if you go to, we're going to be in a few different places today, but um, as much as I hate, like, bouncing around so much, um, I feel like the, the heart of today's message is in a couple different places, through the peace of God. Um, we're going to start in Philippians chapter 4, and then we're going to be in Romans 5, which we already read. Um, and hopefully a couple other places. Uh, if, you, if you need a Bible, we've got plenty of them. If you just put your hand up, we'll make sure that you get a Bible. And um, keep your hand up, we'll get, we'll get you one. And then if you have the page number of Philippians chapter 4, if you could just scream that out. 637. 637. Page 637. If you're not sure where that is, we just want you to join with us. And... Um, be reading alongside of where we're at all right so God again we ask that you would make this so clear today that that your word would come alive we don't have to ask for your word to come alive but we already know that it's alive and it's active and we just ask that in this moment that you would connect this teaching and connect your life to where it applies to our life. And we'd be willing. We'd be daring and have enough guts to, to respond accordingly. We just ask this in the name of Jesus. We ask that, God, you would do this. Amen. So yesterday I woke up in, on an island far, far north, eh, past Fredonia, past Buffalo, past Toronto, past Huntsville, past Algonquin, and here we are, we're at Horn Lake, in the middle of Ontario, Canada, yeah, on this one-acre island This beautiful rock island is set on this lake that you can see on a sunny day all the way to the bottom. Crystal clear. You could, I wouldn't, but you could drink it. Beautiful. And I woke up there yesterday and spent most of the week there with my family and my mother-in-law. And I didn't say anything. Now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I woke up there yesterday, and I was just filled with so much peace. Now, rewind a few hours to Friday night, and um, I was in a moment of peace as well, and it was a little bit different. Um, th- this rock island is, is, has uh, been in my wife's, uh, Brian and her family for since the Second World War and the way that they rewarded the uh, these guys uh, that have fought for their country um, or fought in any way, shape, or form or per- military, whether they went overseas or they stayed, whatever it was, they would reward them with either cash prize or land. And from my understanding, that the, the story has been told that that uh, Brianne's grandfather and uh, his uh, friend. Um, came to the shore of this lake and they swam across the lake to this small one acre rock island on this beautiful lake and they claimed it as their own for $75. And then I, uh, in this past year, uh, her grandfather, great man, had passed away earlier uh, or later in the year. And um, the family has decided to sell this place that we've been and their family and, and they all have been going to every year um, to experience the one week of summer that Canada brings <laughs> like here and it's beautiful and as I was there and as I was on this place where there's literally you have to turn your phone off or you get charged 50 bucks a minute in Canada to use it you have to have your phone off which is a beautiful beautiful thing. If anything breaks intimacy, it's this little thing right here. Right? So it's an, it's an amazing opportunity to be like, don't need you for the week. And as I'm there with my family, with my people, there was a peace. And, 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 and the days were beautiful that we were there. It was sunny, it was warm, which doesn't always happen. It was this beautiful opportunity. And here we are on the last day. We got one day left and it was completely Crappy weather. I mean, it was misting or raining all day. And then at about 6, 7 o'clock at night, it had gotten to be this like, it almost felt like Alaska or Seattle or something. It was just like, it was mist everywhere. It wasn't, You couldn't feel the rain, but you could just have a handful of water. It was so thick. And, and, and it was misty everywhere in the air. And then what was happening is the, the water was warmer than the actual air, so the steam was rising up. And if you've seen my family and my four children and my wife who's um, with child, you know the chaos that can ensue on a small rock island. So I'm painting this picture really, really, like, awesome. But you can connect the dots. We've been there for a week. No plumbing, no, like, literally an outhouse. Like, it's rough. It's chaos. And at the end of this, on this beautiful night, I decided... That my wife's got this under control. And I decided to sit in a kayak and float off. And I turned around and I went about 50, 100 yards out on the lake where I really couldn't even see the island anymore. I couldn't see anything but mist. I was a little heavy for the kayak, so it was like this much above the water, which just felt kind of strange, like, but then I just, after a few minutes of just calm, I just talked to the Lord, and it was the most peace that I have felt in a long, long time. I could hear, as I floated off, I could hear my kids fighting, (laughs) hitting each other with oars, and all kinds of crazy madness their third pair of pajamas that now is wet because somebody got thrown in or like it's all like that's happening but it's slowly fading away now all of a sudden what was like chaos and things throwing and people fighting now seemed like the most beautiful faint noise that you could imagine because I knew that my family was okay the people that I love the people that I would do anything for were okay and I was with the Lord And I was thinking about this message, and I was kind of trying to take this idea of, okay, we're going to take two weeks to talk about intimacy. Yes, we're going to talk about sex. Yes, we're going to talk about how intimacy affects certain areas of our life, whether it's the marriage bed or whether it's our friends or our coworkers or our neighbors or whoever it may be, and how intimacy in all the appropriate ways applies to all these areas. I was thinking about this, and I knew that I left out so many things last week. And when I'm talking about the cautions and the things to warn against regarding intimacy and what Satan wants to, and the enemy wants to rob away from our intimate moments. And so, thinking about that, in that moment, the word the Lord gave me was peace. Intimacy is peace. Peace. Not super sexy, is it? It's not really flashy. But it's what we all crave. Peace is the thing we're all trying to attain, it's that moment of release. It's that moment of acceptance, it's that moment of contentment, it's that moment of I've attained, I've arrived, I've achieved, I've done all I can so that now I can have peace. And I got to experience that with God. It wasn't the lake, it wasn't my family, it wasn't the setting, it was God gave me that. This wasn't a yoga moment. This wasn 't a "Oh, coffee made me happy," or this thing it was this moment where everything was okay because I had felt that connection and that intimacy with God, and it gave me peace. Fast forward a few different or a few hours, and I slept horrible on this i don 't even even call it a mattress um, and I don't have trouble sleeping, and if I have trouble sleeping, usually people know it um, the next day because um, i'm Out of sorts and I'm cranky and I'm usually a nice person but if I'm not a nice person you just need to ask how did your sleep go last night and then you'll kind of connect the dots and so like missing the boat on my sleep a couple nights in a row I was up for like hours thinking and praying and thinking and thinking and thinking about weird things and thinking about like meaningful things and in this thought process it hit me like a ton of bricks that the point of an intimate relationship God with God is peace The point of an intimate relationship with my wife an intimate relationship with my son or my daughter or my anybody is peace and it hit me as I was laying there you couldn't hear anything I mean it was dark like you couldn't see anything you could have heard a seagull on the other side of the lake miles away you could have heard I mean it was you could hear anything but you couldn't hear anything but in that moment, I did hear something. I heard my family breathing. That's a good thing I heard them breathing instead of smelled them breathing or saw them breathing because, I mean, if you've seen people sleep, it's not like, you know. My family, I mean, we sleep like... <laughs> like things hanging out and... Um, it's bad. I'm not pointing any fingers, okay? <laughs> but in that moment, I heard my, my, my wife had actually left the bed I was in because apparently I'm not a great sleeping bag sharer, all right? So she's over there, and now uh, one of my sons, Declan, had a nightmare. He's now in this bed who apparently is not a great sleeping bag sharer as well. But I can hear him right close, breathing. And I can hear my beautiful two-year-old daughter, Eden, right next to me in a pack-and-play, right here, breathing. And I can hear my son, Zion, my boy, Dalen, up on the top bunk, breathing. And I can hear my wife, which I won't describe that noise, breathing. Breathing. <laughs> and it was so peaceful. And in the midst of all of that was peace. Intimacy is peace. Now why am I making such a big intro? Why am I taking the time to make this intro? Is I want you to get a picture of what God desires you to have. What God ultimately is inviting you to the table to experience. Peace. Peace. What he wants you to walk out these doors with, what he wants you to think about and ponder and live in and share is peace. It's not flashy. It's no new news. But it's your every need. It's your every desire. It's underneath everything that you're running after. And so you're in Philippians 4. And we've been doing this series called Summer Fun, which is focused on relationship, family, life, any relationship that you have. We talk about your people, meaning that your people is your, maybe your spouse or your coworker or your neighbor, or your stranger or your enemy. Your people is everybody around you. We talked about my God, myself, and my people. And that in relationship, it's all about for His glory, for my joy, and on their behalf and there's this flow that happens from God to us to them that we get to live in response of what we have here and we get to now bring this to others and so every week we've hit a different theme we've hit a different perspective in that that on week one we said that relationship is the currency for change and that in any change that is going to occur in somebody's life God is sovereign God will use crazy things to change people. But your responsibility, your mission, what God is calling you out and calling you to is to literally be a conduit to others, to be a channel of love, a channel of truth, a channel of change to other people's life. And this does not happen forcefully. This does not happen by taking things from them. This happens through relationship. And so that we have learned that relationship is the currency for change. Are you ready? Oh, Vinny. Oh, nice. We've learned that everything that God wants to do to the people will happen through his people. This is the idea that like, okay, we want them to change. We want them to change their, their perspective on life. Their perspective on sexuality, their perspective on how they treat me at work, their perspective on religion, their perspective on Jesus or no perspective at all. We want these things that like, God desires it greater than you would desire it. God's not willing that any should perish, but that everybody would experience that. And in his sovereignty, it's not our job to figure out who's in or who's not in. It's our job to love. It's our job to serve. It's our job to literally get on our hands and knees and to do what it takes so that God can be a conduit through us. It's for his glory, first of all. And this joy that we experience when we serve, we see that now that what God wants to do to them, he wants and desires to do through his people. And so what God wants to do to the people will happen through his people. Are you ready? Look out. Yes, nice catch. That was really impressive. Man. Relationship is not easy. That could have been the the end of today. Relationship is not easy. Have a nice day. Right? Right? Like we all know that, and we know that when we have had relationship, whether it 's in a, a marriage relationship or whether it 's in a friendship or whether it 's in a coworker or church or it, whatever relationship it is, we know that it 's hard. There are good days and there are bad days, and so we, what we learned on week two is that relationship is exposure to all the elements of life and death. How many of you this week? Through relationships, have experienced all through exposure of all the elements of life. Like it's been fun, it's been great, it's been you've got joy from it, you get encouragement from it, it's awesome. But how many of you experienced maybe in your life you've been exposed to the elements of death through relationship? It's hard. But when we are exposed, what it's essentially us leaning forward. Like I had shared that my friend, when he leaned in for the kiss, there's this risk of falling. But we ultimately learned that God had already leaned into us. He had already leaned in to receive us. And so that the exposure that God offers, he wants to lean into us who are dead apart from Christ. And he wants to give us life. And so that relationship is ultimately exposure to all the elements of life and death. Are you ready, Cam? Oh, bad throat. Yes, Clint, good job. When we lean in, and that we are received by God, which ultimately was him sending his son Jesus to receive us, this amazing relationship happens. And because of relationship, intimacy happens. Intimacy is those moments where you are fully known. Intimacy means to fully know and to be fully known. Those that you are intimate with, your spouse, they fully know you. Like my family, like even down to how they breathe and how they it's that's breathing when they sleep, kind of thought. I fully know them, but they fully know me. And it's intimacy. And that is the heart behind relationship. That relationship is the bridge to get us to intimacy. Oh, yes, nice. Intimacy is to fully know and to be fully known. You guys are lonely over here, aren't you? You ready, Abby? Oh, that was a bad throw. Good job. You caught one yesterday, didn't you? I threw it over your head. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. But when intimacy happens, what's the point of it? What's the thing, what's the goal at, at the end of the rainbow for intimacy? What is the ultimate thing that God is inviting us to? Is where we've set up today to be. Peace. Intimacy is peace. And that we know that when we come to the table and we experience peace, things heat up. And when things heat up, everything changes. When things heat up, everything changes. Yes! I did a lot better today throwing those than last night. When things heat up, everything changes. If you've noticed, as I said last week, your weeks, your days have changed. You are cutting the grass. You are cutting, pulling weeds. You are planting things because of the heat and the sun and the seasons. When things heat up, everything changes. And in your relationships, when things heat up, in bad ways and in good things, Things change, right? Last week, we hit sex. And as difficult as that is to stand up here and talk about, even though I completely agree we should be talking about that, I completely agree that it's all over God's word. I completely agree it's this gift that he's given, this beautiful thing that he's given to us. And yet, sometimes we leave it out or we don't, where maybe we think it's not right to talk about, and it's absolutely appropriate to talk about. But when we brought it up, last week I kind of hit the angles of, okay, well here's the warning that Solomon had for his son. Here's the warnings and the, the, the exposing to the, to the things of death that we have all experienced in that intimacy. But today I want the focus to be on the positive. What do you get out of intimacy? Now I know, standing here, just like it was last night, I know that there are people, um, for the most part in the room, when I talk about sex, there's not a, it's not maybe an immediate connection to your life. Like, whether you're married or single, or whether you're divorced, or whether you're young or older, or whether, like, as someone yelled out last week, um, when I said that the ship had sailed, um, they yelled out, the ship had sunk, um, so, whether, whether for you, whether it's hot tub or not tub, um, whatever situation you're in, understand that, yes, that's one, that's one element of what we're talking about today. But you get the context of what that picture is meant to be in every other area of life. You get the picture of what God is ultimately inviting us to, even through sex, is the picture of of what God is trying to create and for us to experience with Him in all the appropriate, obvious ways. He's inviting us to the table for peace. He's inviting us to the table for intimacy. All right. Philippians 4. Let's go there. I guess I better get there. So the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church of Philippi. And at the end of this letter, Philippians chapter 4 is probably my, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because he's addressing a lot of big picture things. But he's also addressing a lot of practical things that he's experiencing. And he's also giving them instruction, which is ultimately God-inspired instruction to you and I about our walk with God, our prayers with God, our relationships with others. It goes from God to others. That's the heart of this chapter. And here he is in the smack dab in the middle of this in verse 6. There's this coffee cup verse this Christianese verse that we probably don't even necessarily need to read because maybe you've heard this or maybe you've memorized this or maybe like this is so, like you've already checked out because you've heard this. I want you to see it from a different level today, that in intimacy, God's, this is the point of where God is taking us. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Relationship is the bridge to intimacy. So in that intimate level, God is essentially sitting waiting beckoning you to the table. He's inviting you not to just experience what he has to offer. Not to just experience all that he is, but he wants you to share What's up? There's this, this thing that happens in, in a married relationship. And there's this thing that happens in this family dynamic where you go from, from wedding day to today. And then, like, it's not that... like Well, I guess things heat up and everything does change and everything's different and you have to work hard and you have to serve hard and you have to give so many things up so that they can gain and they give so much up so that you gain but there's the intimacy changes let me illustrate like this is the, 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 the idea ah I do that wrong every time um, you stand at the front of a church as a groom you stand right about here And you cannot wait till your bride comes through the double doors. So you wait with eager anticipation. You're not looking around like, hey, you guys look good today in your tuxes. Or you're not like, oh, what's going on? No, your eyes are glued because you can't wait to see her. And as she comes through and as she comes down, guys that don't even cry start to cry because their bride has now been revealed. And now they can bring in a covenant intimacy. And they make a covenant before one another, before God ultimately. So now that what happened between the covenant of them and God can now in that holiness, in that holy moment, in that holy matrimony, the two can now become one. And even as the preacher stands there and talks about, all right, so you've come from this way of life and you've come from this way of life. You will leave your father and your mother and you will come together and you will be one flesh. Metaphorically. Spiritually. Physically. And so they get to take into, as it talks about in Hebrews 13, that marriage is to be honored above all and from everyone. And the marriage bed undefiled. And so they get to go into their bedroom, and they get to experience sexual intimacy as a married covenant couple, which is beautiful, which is full of greatness, which is full of amazingness. And I know I'm painting this perfect little picket fence picture, but that's the design. That's the heart of God. Why? Not so they can just experience that the physical part of intimacy is there. No, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. Like, yeah, that's all great. But the next morning comes, and if you... i got to be careful with my words here. That part ends. Like literally, the next day or that night, it ends, it's done. And in that moment, it's supposed to give you this moment of release, this moment of togetherness, this moment of peace. That you've not just climaxed, that you've arrived at Intimacy. And you are now experiencing in a marriage peace. It's beautiful. There's not just the release. There's this intimate level of now all of a sudden in those moments, I don't need to, I don't need to like prove myself to you because you've received me. I don't need to tell you how awesome I am because you've already received me. I don't need to to show you what I can do for you because I've already offered that in my life. And that is just an overflow of what God has ultimately given me that I now get to carry to you. Listen, this is a picture of the beauty, the intimacy, and the ultimate peace that God is beckoning, beckoning you to. Now, sex aside... Every relationship that you have, every friendship, every family dynamic, every relationship you have is supposed to bring the same peace, not the same road, not the same scenario, but the same end result, the same end peace, which is intimacy. That cannot happen. That cannot happen between you and I unless this happens. I can't be the husband that I'm supposed to be unless I am fully right with God, unless I am fully like, humble before Him and willing to, to surrender my life, surrender my will, so that I can now serve my wife, I can now serve my kids, I can now serve my community, I can now serve my church, I can now serve others, because this overflows to this. And so many of us try to skip this and try to attain other things. And here is the Apostle Paul saying, loud and clear, don't be anxious. What is anxious? It's like trying to connect all the dots of what happens tomorrow, what happened yesterday, and what's happening now, when it's, A, it's outside your control, it's outside your responsibility, and you're trying to fix so that you can attain, so that you can perform, so that you can arrive at this level of peace when everything will ultimately be okay. How many of you that sometimes get anxious? with my hand raised as well, when you get anxious, you think that in your mind, like, if I just think this through and just think that through, just make that call, just do that thing, that thing, then I'll arrive at this like, ah. And you never get there, do you? Like, it never happens. Because we're not meant to get there on our own. We're meant to get there through the one and only way, which is Jesus Christ. And I'm not just talking like crazy spiritual, it comes down to the very things that he's talking about in the scripture. That in Philippians 4, he says, do not be anxious over anything, but bring it to God. Bring it to Him. And he He will offer you something better, something greater than what you could even ask for, what you could even dream of. And He's inviting you. In the same ways as day one of marriage when the groom looks at the double doors and he's waiting for his bride to come through. Ten years later, 11 years later is where I'm at. The same deal when I'm at a restaurant My wife walks in, it's not that same, like, oh, she's here, finally. It's it's like, finally, she's here, you know? But it's still like, in that moment, there's this intimacy of, yeah, we got this, man. This is awesome. We don't have kids. Like, we can eat our meal and it's warm. And our kids aren't, like, in our ear. And it's, like, it's just me and you. And, like, they talk about how new couples, dating couples, when they're at restaurants, they don't take their eyes off of each other. And as marriage, as it extends for years and years and maybe decades and decades, now, like, an, like eating out at a restaurant is, like, an opportunity for, to people watch. So they go from, like, looking at one another to everyone else. But even in pe- how many of you like people watching? If you've been people watch, not judging, all right? I'm just being real. If you've people watched, there's an intimate, like, connection. Like, like whatever's happening, there's this connection between the two of you. I don't know how I got on that, to be honest. But, oh, I know how. That When, when, when things change in intimate levels... When things change in intimate levels, He's not looking for you to just be Mr. Spiritual all the time. This is God inviting you to bring your anxiousness to Him. To bring your concerns to Him. To bring your requests. Make it known. To bring your burdens. To bring your hurts. To bring your wounds. To bring your needs. He's standing Sitting, waiting for his bride to show up. He's beckoning you. How many of us read this scripture and we're like, don't be anxious for anything? All right, I'm anxious. I'm all in. So, like, you're already connecting the dots of where God's going in his word. You're like, all right, I got this. Like, okay. Like, so God invites you, like, oh, sweet. Got a table for me. I sit. I'm like, all right, Lord, here we go. I'm all anxious. I'm ready to share with you. I got this concern. I got this need. I got this thing happening. And I've got this thing, like, really happening. And then I'm like, I'm waiting for him to fix it. I'm waiting for him to say, okay, well, I just uh, just made that person drive off a cliff. I just uh, put $4 million in your account. I just, just... I'm just being real. Like, we're waiting for that. Do you see what Paul says? What is the response from the King of kings, from the Lord of lords, from Almighty God who made all things and can do all things? He gives us something better than to do the dude off the cliff, better than the $4 million in the account, better than all the things that the world can offer and that we seek and that we try to attain, and that we try to run after, and we try to consume, and we try to buy, and we'll spend hours searching for, and what we think we really need when God's inviting us to the table so that he can ultimately give us the peace of God which passes all understanding. It's crazy to comprehend. It surpasses all understanding. You don't understand it, welcome to the club of the peace of God. It's better. And it goes on, it says that this peace of God is able to keep your mind. Have you lost your mind? Could there be a more modern verse in the Bible for us today? lost my mind peace of God is able to keep your mind keep your hearts have you lost your heart your heart has your heart been broke has your heart maybe even because of the wounds or the things that you've done you feel even in this moment condemnation regarding where you've missed the mark on intimacy and where you haven't fit into that perfect little picture And you're filled instead of with hope, you're filled with regret. You're filled with condemnation. Let me invite you in a moment, as we read Romans 5, God's plan for that. But ultimately, he's asking you to take his peace because it'll keep your heart. It'll guard your heart. It'll heal your heart. It'll fill your heart. It'll make your heart move and work and be, and live. That now what happens between you and God at the table in this intimacy, you walk away with peace. You walk away with God. And now you get, you get to share that with your spouse. You get to share that with your friend, your coworker, And you even get to share that with your enemy. Crazy. The peace of God passes all understanding and it'll keep your hearts. It'll keep your minds. In Christ Jesus. Isaiah 26.3 says that God will keep you and keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on Him. Have you been to the table with your spouse, with your friend? It's supposed to be a time for you and them, and this is what you do or what they do. Uh Uh-huh. Got it. Yep. Yep. Or maybe you're more excited about the meal than the intimacy that happens. We were waiting for God to give us something. Like, and I can bet, I know we're in church, but I can bet that you came in today, as I came in, and you've got concerns. You've got stuff that you're dealing with. You've got things that need to be fixed. You shouldn't even be here right now. Because, and this is your thoughts, like, I shouldn't be here because I should be dealing with that. I shouldn't be here because that person might be here. I, I shouldn't be here because of X, Y, or Z. And God is beckoning you, inviting you to the table so that you can experience intimacy and the peace that He offers, so that you can walk away and you can now live that peace. The peace of God passes all understanding. What is peace? If intimacy is peace, what is peace? A couple things before we go. Peace is not war, peace is not war. Who, like I said a few weeks ago, who, if they were to call your phone right now, you'd be so fast to hit the decline button. Who, where if they walked in this room and sat in the back pew, that your stomach would drop because you know that there's something not right between the two of you. Something has been left unresolved Based, maybe based on something you've done or maybe something they've done. We get this opportunity where we have the peace of God. We get to carry and let it flow to our life, to our, uh, our relationships. Now hear me on this. I know good and well that there are relationships that maybe you have, and even when I just use that scenario, you automatically feel like you're, you're counted out and you're like, well, no, I didn't do anything wrong. Maybe you're 0% of the problem. Maybe it's nothing to do with something you've done, but maybe it's something that they've inflicted on you or done that you literally, you've walked away when God's asking you to walk to and give peace. Maybe that's a literal walking to, or maybe that's keeping a distance and putting peace on your door. Maybe, as Jesus says, turning the other cheek is the response. And now turning the other cheek, this thing that Jesus challenges, to, challenges us to do when we're harmed, when we're wrong, it's not an invitation for them to hit the other cheek. It's not an opportunity of, for them to say, oh, here's another opportunity to screw me over. Like, here, you can just, let me turn my cheek so that you can, that's not it at all. What Jesus is inviting you to do by turning your cheek is to offer peace to them. Here's what it looks like to have a cheek that's not been hit yet. That's the heart of Christ. Now Jesus said He didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. But newsflash: He conquered that when He said, "It is finished." That thing that somebody has offended you, that they've done or did or will do, the price for that—as crazy as this may sound—the price for that has been paid. The sacrificial act of Jesus on the cross. Peace is not war. Now, our world is filled with wars. Our world is filled with this country, to this country, and this country, and this government, and there's like all, there's unrest here, and there's justification here, and so there's all these ideas. But what God is really asking. You, because you can't label, because you're not a country. You're not a government. You're a person that God has asked for you to bring peace. What happens if there's war, there's no peace. Even think about the intimate level of sexual intimacy between a husband and wife. Where there's war, there ain't going to be no peace. Where there's, in in any relationship, where there's war, there will be no peace. When both sides have this responsibility, when both sides have this privilege to literally drop your weapons, wave the white flag if you have to, allow peace to happen. Because here's the thing, you don't lose when you offer peace. That's the heart of what Jesus is saying. You don't lose. You win because you're about his glory and the joy that comes from bringing him glory. And that now they get to see, they get to experience what peace might actually look like by you offering a cheek that's not been slapped. This plays out to every relationship. So peace is not war. Peace has nothing to prove. When you and I have an intimate friendship and I know what you, how you breathe, I know what you've done, you know what I've done. When I see what you do and where your faults are and you see where mine are. In normal human relationship, that would seem like a, all right, well, I'm keeping track over here and I'm keeping track over here. And war comes and there's no peace. But honestly, God's heart and God's design for that relationship is, yeah, you got flaws, you got flaws, God's working in certain areas in your life to work things out, and God's certain, you you see what I'm saying? And in that intimate level, there gets to be this moment of not trying to prove anything. Because when you don't try to prove yourself, you get to be yourself. You get to be the one that God's designed you to be. Holy, set apart. Righteous before Him. Peace is Sabbath. Peace is rest. Peace is laying down, not just your weapons, but laying down the plow, laying down the work of trying to attain something with that person. Trying to get their approval. Trying to get dad's approval. Trying to get spouse approval. Trying to get your pastor or friend or brother's approval. It's not going to happen. And if it does happen, awesome. But that's not the goal. The goal is to honor God. That stuff, is going to work out. If it never comes. If it never gets fixed. If they never text you back. If they never apologize back if they never give you the peace of knowing that they have forgiven you, it's not your responsibility. You're responsible for love. You're responsible for peace. That's what it looks like to have perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Christ because when we have the mind of Christ, we begin to act like Christ. We begin to be the hands and the feet of Christ. We begin to have our hearts filled with Christ and we rest Peace is to be fully known as well in that intimacy, wanting nothing else. In Exodus chapter 34 and verse 14, the Bible describes God as jealous. He even says that's his name. Now there's so many depths that we could go with that. But when we say that God is a jealous God, like we immediately go to the negative elements of what jealousy can produce. Jealousy for God, when He sees the bride coming, as He stands and He waits with tears in His eyes full of joy that He can't wait for you to sit down. It's as if we walk in the door and we've went and sat at another table. God is jealous. He is wanting. He is desiring us. He need us. He's desiring intimacy with you. And so when you've walked in the table, when I've walked to the table, excuse me, of something else other than God, it's not only not God's table, but it's in the opposite direction of where He wants us to be. Because He first wants us to come here, so that then we can go there. So then we can go anywhere, because we have the peace of God, and He goes with us through His Holy Spirit, living and flowing through us. This is what we get. The peace of God. Even, what did Jesus call the Holy Spirit that would come? He called Him the Comforter. And that's peace. The comfort that He brings. Power. And yes, when the Holy Spirit came, He stirred some things up. And He brings power. And He brings absolute change. But He does it through this gentle Voice of peace, and when we've went and sat at another table, we've robbed not just ourselves, but we've robbed a jealous God who wants nothing but us. He doesn't want your religious practice. He doesn't want your church attendance. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your time. He doesn't want this. Perfect, glamorous life where no one, like, you can do whatever you want as long as no one knows about this, this, and this. He doesn't want those things. Those things flow to fruit in your life. But what God really wants is you. What he's desiring more than anything is you. And here's the thing. What he desires for you the most is to desire him. Him. That is intimacy. That is peace. Peace is not solitude. Peace is not just exclusion. God's called us not just, or he's not just saved us from something, he saved us to something peace is not this island peace is when two become one regardless of response so <laughs> um <laughs> I thought I, I, this example was on my desk and it's funny because we've been doing a lot of stuff through the city of Jamestown for these events and um, <laughs> did you see this <laughs> and uh, uh, going through the, the parks in the city and the road like all like the different departments of the city and let me tell you like they've been great and it's been awesome like they've been nothing but nice and nothing but helpful Um, But one particular area um, with the city parks is that we've, we had to submit our insurance, um, uh, a liability insurance and all that that we had. And it was just a simple them, uh, our our insurance company faxing to them the things. And literally every time our insurance company, which is not local, um, would fax to the city of Jamestown, the uh, the information, they kept spelling the, the first park was at the corner of Faulkner and Sturgis. And every time they'd spell Faulkner or Sturgis wrong. And I'm not even kidding you, they wouldn't accept it. Like it wasn't good enough for the city. Like in that kick home, like, I'm sorry, but you gotta get the right spelling, we gotta get this right. And then we call our insurance company, and we'd like literally spell it out over the phone. And I'm not kidding, it was like six. Five, six times that we kept them to call insurance company. Like, no, Faulkner is not spelled with a ph, It's with an F. Like, this is how you do it. And then somehow, someway, it kept getting messed up. And they were so particular, I wouldn't accept it. So I find it funny that I get a letter. I think this is our, I haven't actually opened it yet. Maybe it's a we're shutting you down kind of letter, but I don't know. Uh, I should probably think that before I say it. Um, I think it's for our certificate for our second event at the park. But the funny thing is, who's it's written who it's written to with, my last name is Eret, E-R-R-E-T-T Eret okay my whole life everybody says Corey Everett it's not Corey Everett and then the next line it says I believe it's supposed to say Conduit Ministries but it says Compitiate o Ministros <laughs> what language is that? Like, and I want to send it back and be like, y'all didn't spell it right. Like, every letter is out of place. (laughs) Peace is offering them what they need with God's power and not expecting them to spell it right in return. You get to offer the peace of God, which passes all understanding, and they may respond with compitient osmosios or something. Like I didn't hear that as an apology. I didn't hear that as like you did to me what I did to you. Like you didn't return the favor. You didn't respond. In fact, you responded with a punch when I reached out my hand to shake. Everything that we get back, like don't think that like the system didn't work or that God messed up, or that God should have drove them off a cliff, or that God should have done this or that, understand that nothing is an accident that everything happens for a reason, and that when it happens, it's not a response to say, even in that moment, okay, God, no, man, just because you didn't do this, you didn't do that, and so here I am, I'm here to bring it back, like, did you not know that was going to happen? And God's like, uh, actually, I knew it was going to happen, and like, I'm way ahead of you, and I'm not trapped in this thing called time like you are, and you're trapped in this little thing of emotion how you feel right now. And I'm trapped in this thing called reality, which I'm trying to bring it all together. So that ultimately you would get the, sorry, and you would get the idea that it's not about you, Corey. It's not about your situation. It's not about your circumstance. First, understand that peace comes from knowing that it's about my glory. And when you see that first, intimacy happens because Now you have joy because you've sought His glory. And now you can leave the table and you can go and you can serve them for their behalf. Not for yours, not for your ego, not for what you can get out of it. Relationship is not what you get, although you get lots. But relationship is what you give in any intimate level. It's what we offer. Not because what... it's Like, I'm so empty because I've given so much. You're not. You're giving the wrong stuff then. Yes, there are moments where you absolutely like Christ. You are broken and you are poured out. You do give of yourself. Yes, you should rest. Yes, you should take breaks. Yes, you should cut things off. Yes, you should get rid of that dog that keeps barking in a lot of different ways and scenarios and metaphors that I'm talking. You're connecting. I'm not saying that you should just... Submit yourself to abuse and submit yourself over and over to their debacle. But what I'm saying is that you, when you have the peace of God, he can discern through the Holy Spirit in your life flowing through you what to do. And that in that is peace. We use the phrase, I have peace about this. I have a calm about this. 2011, I uprooted my family, and I sold our house, and I sold all kinds of stuff, and we went and we planted a church with some other guys in Phoenix, Arizona, and we uprooted everything that we knew, family and everything, comfort and everything. We were willing to do that. But how silly is that if I'm doing that for what it can build in my ego, or what people would think. Because at the end of the day, I got to Phoenix and no one was around. No one was saying, good job, buddy. At the end of the day, it was the Lord and myself and my family. And I had to learn the hard way to rest on what He offers, to rest in the peace that He can give. You're going to run the rest of your life. You're going to feel empty the rest of your life, even in a church, even in a relationship with God, unless you understand this idea, this principle, this truth, that you have to receive that from God. He gives it. It's his perfect peace. It's his desire for you to get that. It passes all understanding. It keeps your heart and mind. And finally, Romans 5 says, Therefore now, we have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can't know peace. Peace unless you know the Prince of Peace. Jesus' name, the Prince of Peace. Israel was waiting for a true peace. Their country had been taken over by the Romans, and they were looking for this Messiah to come to make it literally no more... Just, I want, we want peace in Israel when really God's desire was greater. God's desire was better than what they could ask God for at the table. That the Messiah would truly bring them peace. Peace with God who's not okay with your sin. Who's holy and by His very nature and by His very character cannot be near your sin it cannot be near it. and that's why from Adam to Eve to, to us sin separates us from God it even says in the Old Testament that, that God's hand is not short that he can't reach but your sin and your iniquity has separated you from God it's a scary thought it's a, the beginning of wisdom is that fearful thought that God in his wrath and His holiness is separated from us. One of the greatest passages in the Bible is Romans 5, that now because of what Jesus did, you can have peace. The negotiation has already taken place. God on your behalf sent His Son, Jesus, and Jesus on your behalf was murdered, spit at, Beard ripped out, humiliated, exposed, naked before people and dying and taking his last breath and saying, it is finished. What's finished? Your punishment. Why? So that three days later he can rise and that he can have life. So to show you by faith, you can have life. You by faith, trusting, stepping out and saying, God, I want this peace. I want this arrival. I want this thing that we can have called intimacy with you, God. Because I know in that, and in that peace, it will fulfill my ultimate need. It will fulfill my ultimate desire, even though I'm running after all kinds of things, even though I'm anxious and I'm bringing to God a list of all the things. What He really wants you to walk away with is peace, which is so far better, which is so far higher than anything you could ask for, anything you could imagine, and anything that you thought you might come to hear about today and that you want to leave with. Leave with the peace of God because it passes all understanding. Leave with the peace of God because you can now be reconciled to a holy God. You're a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. But because of faith in what Jesus did, we can now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you sit here and you're turning because you're like, nah, you don't know what I did. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I just did this morning or last night. Like you have no, 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 no. Listen, if you go further in Romans 5, it says that even though we were weak, in the fact that we were still sinners and verse 8 it says Christ died for you you stiff armed him over and over you sent him a letter spelling his name wrong you sent you've lived a life doing nothing but disrespecting God and neglecting and stiff arming God well God is here in this moment right now to say to you that you can be reconciled, you can be forgiven, that you don't have to clean up your act in order to be forgiven, you are forgiven so the natural response is to live for him in presentation, to live for him as father, to to live for him and with him in relationship so that you can experience intimacy and you can ultimately have peace which he's gifted to you, not you earning. So what phone call needs to take place to have peace? With you and your brother, you and your ex, you and your f- former co-worker. What email or text needs to happen? Because you're filled with the peace of God and you're ready to give the peace of God, regardless of response. Or maybe for you today, there's never been a time in your life that you've received the Prince of Peace by faith, asking him to save you asking Him to to, to literally take over your life and to change you, to bring you from death to life. Today can be that day. I just want to invite you, if you need prayer, any of those areas, this is the place to do it. You can come up and pray by yourself. You can come up and pray with me or others would join you. This is a place to do business with God. It's a place to literally understand that the peace of God has been given to you. And it's all you ever wanted. Would you stand with me? And if you need.